Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I, we lost together over 130 pounds. Now I like to help others by coaching them so that they can learn how to reverse diseases or lose weight on this lifestyle. So today we will discuss anxiety and depression and how our lifestyle can have an impact. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Dr. Melissa Mandala is a triple specialist of family medicine, lifestyle medicine, and primary care psychiatry with plantedforward.com. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome Dr. Melissa Mandala. And greetings, Dr. Mandala. Welcome to the show. Hi, hi. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. You have such important information, and I think it's always important, but especially now after the holidays and our environment and what's going on, I think we need you more than ever. So you've got your superhero cape on, and I'm really glad that you're here. So I wanted to tell everybody that Dr. Mandala is going to be doing a presentation for us. Before we begin, I have something that we call true or false. It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, so today we're just going to have one question since we have a presentation, and that is, true or false, what we eat can have a great effect on anxiety and depression. Type in true or false in the comments, and then we're going to let Dr. Mandala take over with her presentation, and we'll hear the answer and learn so much more. Yeah, it's so great to be here um, with you, Amy. And I love this question because that's the question I had for a long time. My patients asked me this and yes, yes, yes. There's so many in ways that our lifestyle, but also fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, and seeds can impact our microbiome, which actually there is a gut brain connection that actually goes and talks to our brain to increase the happy hormones. So that's serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. And so I love talking about this topic and I'm excited to share. And so basically I'm going to be speaking about engaging your lifestyle to benefit your mental health. So um, I thank you for the warm introduction. I also am assistant professor at Loma Linda University where I teach residents in the Lifestyle Medicine Fellowship. I also am board director of American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm also a co-owner of Dr. Lifestyle in Newport Beach. But today I am happy and thrilled to present and talk about mental health as um, one of the co-presidents of Planted Ford. So the disclaimer of today's talk is basically this talk is for educational purposes only and really lifestyle medicine and nutritional recommendations are incredibly life-changing as you've seen transformations. At the same time, we um, advise, I specifically advise to discuss this with your medical provider um, if you are going to stop or taper off medications or introduce a new lifestyle or dietary change. So what's the difference between lifestyle versus lifestyle medicine? So when you think about lifestyle and maybe the media realm, you may think it's literally just about self-care or happiness or maybe even the, um, the things you have, maybe the lifestyle you have in terms of travel, but really lifestyle medicine is very specific. American College of Lifestyle Medicine was founded in 2004. So there are key principles that I will be discussing. Um, I will be focusing more on nutrition, but I would say that it's a whole picture. It's, we call this in medicine multifactorial, that you, there are pillars such as nutrition, exercise, sleep, 
emotional well-being, stress management, sleep, and even minimizing toxins such as tobacco and alcohol. And um, here is a 2010 article in the JAMA. And here we are introduced to how can we prescribe, I would say, lifestyle medicine to chronic diseases. And anxiety, depression is one of those. A lot of people live with this, um, sometimes just to adjusting to life stressors, other times because of grief and of a loss of a loved one, a job, um, a change. And that's pretty, I would say, normal. But when you're thinking about anxiety and depression, it can be long term. So we want to just be able to minimize that lifelong, um, I would say, lifelong condition and minimize the medications. But really, how do, how do you minimize that? Really is first addressing lifestyle. And so this is a fun survey. I always like to ask this. So what percentage um, of the population in our world, um, particularly in the US, um, do people actually in exhibit these behaviors so of all these four so eat five fruits and vegetables and servings daily eat um, exercise 30 minutes a day five days a week um, someone who doesn't smoke and also have a, a healthy weight range so this addresses nutrition exercise and even weight and avoiding smoking so how much of our population does this um you can guess a b c or d i like to ask my residents this is it three percent ten percent fifteen or twenty one you guys can type this in the comments if you want to guess and you know just you don't have to think too much because literally um it's a low number sadly it's a three percent very low number of our population actually exhibits all these behaviors so we have a lot of work to do i always like to start with my journey so my journey literally um just started as a someone who's interested in not only nutrition and lifestyle but someone who was also searching for answers in my own health um, i went through medical school in Rosen franklin chicago medical school and you know um, a majority of the coursework was focused on pharmaceutical drugs um, there's about 35 hours of that and we had to memorize these medications the mechanisms um, the side effects the interactions and how to properly use them and i thought this was really, really important. However, I was still feeling that there was something else missing. I was looking for the preventive part. I was looking for the lifestyle aspect. How does food impact health? And I sadly, I didn't see much of it in my medical training. I was, if you look at the studies, they say one or two hours, um, maybe more on on the average, but really, if you if you speak and survey most physicians, they don't recall maybe the basics of weight, the basics of protein and carbs, but really not knowing how to implement it. How does it look like on your plate? How do you cook um, healthy? All these things, and how does it impact our health and our medications? So um, I just went through American College of Lifestyle Medicine conferences, plantrition conferences. I, I actually looked at all the, the books and the studies, documentaries, and I, I was work, working to find answers. And you probably notice that there are all these great documentaries and books by Dr. Michael Greger and Forks Over Knives, things that are now more becoming a little bit more mainstream. And so I searched and I, I studied and 
read and I found that really um, there is a direct impact on food and health. And I was finally becoming more satisfied. I went through my family medicine training at Loma Linda. Um, there, people live until they were 100. So they were centurion. So uh, you would still see people living like that, um, which is amazing because they're on less medications and really adapting a whole food plant-based diet. That's when I went into my Lifestyle Medicine Fellowship and then I also finished my board and that. And then I also was very curious because in my training, I saw people in the rehabs who had severe heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease, and people who just had um, spinal cord injury. And I was wondering, is there any hope? Um, is there any hope to actually teach someone who's already um, near their, literally, they nearly survive a life or death experience. And then I actually remembered these studies. Um, these studies are um, I would say by Dr. Esselstyn. Um, he, so he really looked at... While Dr. Mandala is doing that, I'm going to ask you guys another true or false question. True or false, science shows that our mental health and our gut health are never separate. And then I, I have another question, and we're going to get all these answers during the presentation. So this should be very interesting. True or false, the leading cause of disability is depression. Are you ready, Dr. Mandala? Yes, I sure am. Yeah, there it is. Go Great ahead. questions. Um, so yes to both of those, true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so nutrition does impact life-threatening conditions. Um, the reason why I discussed the first part of this presentation is I'm a primary care doctor, so I incorporate all systems. And that really leads us to why depression and anxiety is important because most of the time people don't have just depression, anxiety, they also have heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, and gut health issues as well. So um, back to this slide is just a reminder that um, either early or later on in life, there's still um, an importance of lifestyle medicine. Yes, in this um, study with Dr. Esselstyn, there's shown a difference of the opening of a coronary artery. And you know, not every person is um, experiences this, I would say, miracle after this hard work of adapting a lifestyle um, plant-forward diet, um, but it is, I would say, impossible, um, not impossible, but still in a place where we can understand the bigger picture, which is what's the choice that we can have as individuals. We have an opportunity to either use um, plants, um, our lifestyle, or use medications. Um, I would say this is possible usually if you do this early on in the disease process. Um, so prevention, yes, is key before diagnosis, but early diagnosis is important, but also early treatment with lifestyle modifications. So I always um, impress to my patients that always stay in contact with healthcare providers because things change. Um, people look back and they didn't realize, wow, I gained 10, 15 pounds and it's only been um, a couple months. But if they didn't check in, we would not have known or they didn't know they were living with high blood pressure or diabetes or no one really screened them for depression, anxiety. And interestingly enough, um, if you look at the studies um, about, um, they say in the high 70s uh, percentage 
people going to primary care offices, they don't have time um, to um, screen for depression, anxiety, and often it's missed because of the many, many needs of our, our patients. And so bringing that to the forefront is my passion to screen that depression and anxiety often and have early diagnosis and early treatment. So this is my health transformation, just like you, Amy. I think the reason why we pursue this is because um, we ourselves are patients. Uh, we ourselves have noticed um, that there was this relationship with food that we didn't realize that we kept feeding. So for me, I kept eating and eating to the point where I didn't realize that not only was my weight changing, but my gut health was changing. I had... Um, irritable bowel syndrome at an early age, and also GERD, um, uncontrolled reflux. Um, so despite even exercising and I, what I thought was eliminating junk food, that wasn't enough. I needed to do more. I actually needed to cut out some of the animal products. I needed to cut out dairy. And not only then, um, I would say it was when I show, um, had the full transformation. Um, and so that was when I was able to not have any more irritable bowel syndrome, reflux, and even acne, and then have a healthy, um, normal weight as well. My favorite, um, just as I mentioned before, in the mental health space is to discuss about nutrition. So phytonutrients, tasting the rainbow, what does that look like? Um, you're going to see a lot of color in, on this slide, but I'm also going to go into the science and show you um, diagrams to help you understand why nutrition impacts our health. Um, here's a slide on lifestyle medicine. So we know that lifestyle is really comes from evidence um, that has been established through research over decades, over, uh, I would say, um, even lifestyles that have been actually promoted and um, lived through decades and centuries ago. And so I always like to say that lifestyle medicine is the use of lifestyle uh, therapeutic approaches by whole food, plant-based, regular exercise, regular adequate sleep, stress management, and avoiding risky substance use. And really at the end of the day, it's not only highly effective and it addresses the root cause, but really you spend um, more time um, working on the most important thing, which is the daily habits um, that you experience rather than the uh, accumulated costs that you can get from going to the ER or going to the hospital. And that's where the cost savings comes from because you don't have to get this huge hospital bill because um, you are avoiding that and you're taking each and every meal each and every day to decide um, for a better health conscious lifestyle. Um, so why now? Why is this super important in regards to chronic disease? Um, I would say the U.S. is just spending trillions and trillions of dollars constantly um, on health. And 90% of these costs are because of chronic conditions. Chronic means it's lifelong or for greater than six months. And lifestyle medicine addresses the root cause. As you can see, six in 10 adults have chronic diseases or four in 10 adults have two or more. 
Um, this is what the CDC shows. So heart disease, cancer, chronic lung disease, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, and chronic kidney disease. What's missing here, though, is depression, anxiety. I'm so glad during this pandemic that it's no longer being coming this stigma rather it's becoming normal everyone is just coming out and sharing their past and present mental health struggles and it's extremely prevalent and so knowing that there's um I would say high cost in mental health disorders. Um, one thing that we gotta look at are different ways, right? Um, yes, lifestyle medicine is, is key. I'm gonna just quickly um, help you understand the differences between lifestyle medicine, preventive medicine, functional, naturopathic, and integrative. Um, they're all important. They all play a role and. Uh, a lot of my patients have seen different types of doctors um, and finding a way where it's very individualized is what matters. So we talked about lifestyle medicine. Um, preventive medicine really focuses on early detection and screening, um, even environmental safety and public health. Functional medicine um, uses a lot of diagnostics uh, and focuses on gut health, but also using a lot of supplements. Naturopathic is uh, mainly on herbal um, medications and remedies, and then integrative is really um, using complementary East and Western medicine, homeopathy. Uh, when it comes to whole food plant-based, when it comes to all the diseases in terms of heart disease, as I mentioned, diabetes, cancer, I am so, I would say, grateful that now the big organizations such as the American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association. Now they're um, acknowledging the power of lifestyle and plant-based eating. So 21 medical societies and 41 position papers have nicely aligned with lifestyle medicine and that um, eating more unrefined plant-based foods can optimize health. Um, so this is a, what a whole food plant-based diet looks like. So as you can see, half of it is majority fruits and vegetables, then your plant proteins, which is nuts and seeds um, here, and then whole grains as the quarter, and water. So let's go deep in the science. Um, so vegetarian diets and blood pressure, as you can see, there is um, a relationship here. In April 2014, um, there was a difference uh, when following patients over um, a period of time, and they noticed that they were able to decrease their blood pressure and, and blood pressure, the diastolic and systolic numbers. And here there's another study that even plant-based diet can impact cardiovascular disease. Um, and that's, once again, when we think about blood pressure, uh, it is one of those things that are silent killers. Not many people know that they're walking around with high blood pressure and they don't end up knowing that there's um, a heart problem until they actually have a heart attack. So um, when it comes to uh, studies here, um, they actually looked at this and found that even not only there's an impact on blood pressure, but later on in cardiovascular disease and mortality, so decreasing the, the death rates as well. Um, I love looking at nutritional studies when it comes to the EPIC Oxford study. It's definitely a landmark study to show that there is long-term health benefits when having plant-based diet. 
Uh, here's an association with fiber, vegetable, fruits, um, and looking at um, even people who've had disease, um, specifically colon cancer, and what that looks like. So even after they receive treatment, and how does that look like on their quality of life and their fatigue? So you can see that it's still um, related to better physical function and less fatigue after two years um amazing <laughs> after so after adapting i would say a lifestyle medicine or a plant for a diet it's not just one day yes one day is a great win maybe a couple months but if you do this consistently up to two years um and you will see impact for a lifetime um, so I'm not sure if you've heard of Team AO. You probably heard it in previous lectures, um, basically showing that Team AO is found in a lot of our westernized foods. So that's meats, eggs, um, ultra-processed foods such as white pasta, white um, breads, and knowing how that um, contains choline and L-cartonine, it turns to Team AO, then it acts... Um, and goes when it's ingested goes into our gut and that really causes what we call dysbiosis and that's the imbalance of good and bad um, bacteria and then it opens these tight junctions and that's what leaks through we call this increased permeability um, increased inflammation and going into the liver um, and building up like uh, plaque arthrosclerosis increasing our risk for coronary or basically heart um, attacks and also heart failure but um, opposite of that, as you can see, is fiber. So dietary fiber does the opposite. It increases um, fatty, short-chain fatty acids when it interacts with the microbiome, and that is what decreases the inflammation in our gut. Um, here's another complex study that, and I love it because it shows the, the impact of also our immune system. So immune uh, system is getting a lot of attention during the COVID times. And you, you can see that the immune system here uh, with the macrophage foam cells uh, has the potential to increase um, the inflammatory markers or decrease the inflammatory markers by what we eat. So um, here's another one, TMO increases after um, healthy diets. Um, and then knowing that we need to know that fish polyphenols and whole grain cereals are, um, are, are tested. Um, fish is in a Mediterranean diet. Um, I still say fish is something that contains mercury and toxins, so we want to minimize that. Um, but when we look at Mediterranean diets, which I'll talk about later, it's still um, a powerful um, way to start to transition to a plant-forward diet. And plant versus animal protein. So specifically in the gut, um, you'll know that uh, now that there's more and more studies that certain species in the gut thrives off of plant pr protein and then the animal protein feeds the bad, um, I would say, negative microbiome into the fact where there's more TMEO and less short-chain chain fatty acids. Um, and then some people have a question about unsaturated versus saturated fat. And I would say that unsaturated fat also stimulates a part of our microbiome, um, these species specifically. And then the saturated fat, um, people don't realize that um, not only butter and bacon, but also coconut oil can increase LDL, but also impact insulin sensitivity. So actually, it's a negative thing to... Um, 
can't actually consume all the animal-based saturated fat, but also some of the veg, um, veggie saturated fat, fats, such as palm oil and um, coconut oil. Um, here uh, is another diagram to show that um, overall that there is systemic inflammation when one does not eat healthy um, whole foods. Instead, they may be eating processed foods. Uh, it impacts their gut, their liver, changes their gut back um, gut microbiome, and then impacts their risk for even autoimmune disease, depression, anxiety, which I'll talk about shortly. Um, so once again, um, this is another complex diagram that shows that their direct impact um, here um, what is what I'll be focusing on, which is the regulation of the neuroimmune access. So that means the gut-brain connection, the gut-brain gut food connection, and so how whatever we're eating goes into our gut and also transmits all the way to our brain. And... Um, that's why we see people getting anxiety, depression, even dementia. So when you have um, dysbiosis um, because of stress, obesity, unhealthy eating, yes, genetic and aging plays a role in where you live. Um, and it really um, goes and creates this neuroinflammation and creating more plaques that causes dementia um, in addition. And so our goal is to really um, focus on eubiosis, which is a balance of um, fruits, vegetables, beans, nuts, and seeds, and how to um, alter that into a, a healthy microbiome. So here's the gut-brain connection. As you can see here once again, that whatever you eat um, goes into the gut and then increases or decreases your glucose, your insulin sensitivity, even your cholesterol levels, um, and then um, even talks to the immune system and alters our neurotransmitters. So the microbiome gut-brain axis dysfunction actually exist in a way where 90% of serotonin and 50% of dopamine are in our gut. Um, so our gut is the storehouse for our, our hormones and our neurotransmission, uh, neurotransmitters and our neurons and nerves. So basically, um, we have that our mood, our energy levels, motivation, and sense of reward um, is in the gut. So our our gut not only knows when it's full and hungry, but it knows when it's stressed, when it's sad, when it's upset, when it's overwhelmed, and our gut will respond. For some people, um, it will respond to depression, anxiety. Other times, this, the symptoms are really subtle. For example, in some of my patients, or in my case, sometimes it starts off with just reflux or IBS or a little bit of bloating um, and maybe uh, imbalance of constipation and diarrhea. But when that becomes an ongoing issue, there's also risk for more depression. So... Um, we here's a, an example of how dietary factors impacts the prevention and the treatment of depression. As here is another way to um, focus on healthy diet. So I'm going to talk about what is a healthy diet compared to the Western diet. So healthy diet consists of a lot of plant-based foods uh, that are 
have vitamins and minerals, omega-3s, fatty acids, polyunsaturated fat, and fiber. So what this does is can possibly impact this. It basically helps to, number one, decrease inflammation um, at a systemic level. Number two, it helps eat up all the oxidative stress. So it's like cleaning up all the debris. A lot of the westernized foods, a lot of stress or lack of sleep creates stress in the body. And that is, can be very harmful for our cells. So when you eat healthy plant-based foods, it cleans up all the junk literally in our cells to clean it up. And then the mitochondrial dysfunction. So sometimes even at the cellular level, we just don't have enough energy and vitamins to support the processes that give us energy and what a plant-based diet does is help support that that's why a lot of people when they adapt a plant-based diet they feel a sense of um, a surge of energy that they can go and finish their tasks they can actually walk and run more and that's the benefit and that's because of this cellular mechanism and then when it comes to the gut microbiome we also mentioned this before that there's a change and then there's a tryptophan um, re, I would say serotonin um, reaction so the more plant-based foods you have um, the more likely you're going to get serotonin because tryptophan which is an amino acid and tyrosine which is amino acid comes from a lot of plant-based foods and you can increase that by increasing your fruits and vegetables um, and increase your happiness level as well and here is the HPA dysfunction. So basically, when there's altered hormones and altered neurons, um, you are getting that literally because of a westernized diet, which lacks a lot of these phytonutrients that I discussed. And then when you also have a healthy plant-based diet and healthy lifestyle, you can actually have a chance to decrease the what we would call genetic um, epigenetic factors so meaning sometimes people think genetics are set in stone but really um, it's the transmission of the genes that you can change over time because you are eating a little bit healthier um, each and every day which makes long-term benefits so there's a great study in 2015. So 1,200 people were um, studied um, and they followed them for two years. And they noticed if you eat eight fruits and vegetables, your, their happiness levels increase and also their well-being increased and life satisfaction. So I don't know about you, but um, that's a great happy pill. Um, and it's not a pill, right? It's literally food that you can enjoy and consume. Um, and this is the Mediterranean Diet and Depression Study that I was discussing earlier that 21 studies were looked at so in total, and they showed people who have a higher plant-based um, consumption um, lower the odds of depression and decreasing the risk by about 16%. And so that's pretty significant because um, I would say when it comes to medications, um, some people are resistant to medications. Sometimes medications don't work. And sometimes there's side effects that are not very tolerable for some patients. So uh, working on a, the lifestyle and the diet can be very important. Uh, there's another study in 2015 by uh, 
Dr. Argawal on the Geico study, and it showed that there was um, improvement in depression, improvement in just their emotional well-being and being able to function um, in society. So what does that mean? They're able to connect with others more. They're able to build relationships because um, they weren't as depressed. Um, and so that's the power of whole food plant-based diet. And then they looked at um, Seventh-day Adventist as well, um, 138 uh, persons who practice that lifestyle of uh, vegetarians. Most of them were vegetarian, others were whole food plant-based, but in the end, they realized that they also had lower rates of depression, anxiety, and stress. So bottom line is that healthy lifestyles is the first prevention and treatment for mood disorders. And where can we get these omega-3s? So um, I really would say looking at the seeds and nuts. Um, so flax seeds are a definite source, chia seeds and hemp seeds. Those are the precursors for um, sources for tryptophan tyrosine that builds up the neurotransmitters in the brain. And then nuts are full of omega-3, soybeans, kidney beans, Brussels sprouts, wild rice, and firm tofu. So if you can bring up um, a salad that has all these combinations or a stew, it would be um, a great source of omega-3 and fiber. Flavonoids are polyphenols. Um, they basically are found in fruits, vegetables, tea, coffee, and cocoa. Um, there are some studies that they can benefit cognition and increase um, flow to your brain. And so this actually is very protective against um, neuronal stress. That means brain stress because in our brain, typically we have inflammation there, as I discussed, either from diet or stress. And so these healthy foods can really impact um, our brain by decreasing the oxidative stress and stimulating what we call the BDNF, which is a brain-derived um, neurotropic factor, which is responsible to um, uh, increase our, our mood in a positive way, and then uh, acts as a free radical scavenger. So once again, you can find the flavonoids here in, in the colors of the rainbow in the plant-based form. Magnesium is another one studied. Um, so depression was pretty rare about 100 years ago when it comes to um, being studied, but also when it comes to looking at magnesium and depression together. So when they looked at magnesium levels in those who were depressed, they actually found that once they provided more magnesium sources of food or supplements, um, they had improved sleep, decreased frequency of headaches, and lessened anxiety and depression. So um, gladly in more plant-based diets, um, you see that magnesium levels are actually higher than those who are non-vegetarians. Zinc is another important micronutrient. Um, those who have low zinc levels are more likely to have um, treatment-resistant depression. So that means those who cannot tolerate um, medications or those who aren't necessarily fixed by medications um, alone, um, looking at their overall lifestyle and nutrition and even the zinc levels has shown that um, zinc supplementation, um, even in the whole food form, can uh, improve depression. Zinc um, was what I spoke about 
previously, but now curcumin um, is nice because you can find it in the spice form. Um, and that's also the active form of turmeric. And there's a recent study that basically if you consume 500 milligrams twice a day, it can be effective for treating major depression after eight weeks of use. Um, and there's a study in 2014 showing that can, it can be equivalent to taking Prozac, an antidepressant. And really um, together, I would say fiber uh, is important, right? Fiber is something we want to um, focus on because not only does it help the gut health and decrease symptoms such as IBS and depression and anxiety, but also um, we've seen that it's helped um, proliferate um, gut bacteria and produce help more healthy gut bacteria as well. The monounsaturated fat and polyunsaturated plant fat, once again, are found in nuts and seeds. Um, specifically, if you consume 43 grams of walnuts a day, um, you're able to promote more of these probiotic, um, I would say, bacterial species in the gut. So that's a good goal for those who have depression and anxiety. Another plant-based nutrient is sulfurin, which is a phytochemical present in cruciferous vegetables and broccoli, cauliflower, arugula, and kale and cabbage. And these are delicious, um, but also improves our mood. One thing we want to watch out for is processed foods. Um, I want to pay just close attention to that because that's the first step I would encourage my patients to focus on um, because this can um, really um, increase our risk of depression and it contains excess saturated fat, excess sugar, and a lot of food additives that alter our brain and neurochemical processes. I've had patients who would just eat so much dyed processed foods, so fake dyes, um, and they would have worse depression, anxiety, more tremors, um, less focus, um, even seizures. So um, I would say eliminating processed foods is really the first step. And it's because of this arachnidoid acid. So this is this basically a pro-inflammatory compound found in animal products. And this is really adverses, um, negatively impacts mental health uh, through neural inflammation. And then um, there is a study in 2014 that people who consume more animal-based products, sadly, um, had higher rates of suicide and depression. So it's, once again, it's an association. It's not necessarily it causes that, but if you have more plant-based foods and less, um, I would say processed foods, you're less likely to have a, a brain that's inflamed, a brain that may not allow you to make the wisest decisions for your health and your life. Um, here is another um, example of where ironic acid comes from. It, top sources are eggs, chicken, beef, pork, um, even fish. Um, overall, omnivores can tend to consume nine times more ironic acid than their plant-based counterparts. So that's um, a whole lot um, of doses of, I would say, inflammatory um, foods, and we need to find a way to minimize that. Um, and we know that even dairy is important to minimize because just a single egg's worth um, contains arachnic acid that can raise the levels in our blood, which goes into our brain crossing the blood-brain barrier. 
So there's something called the MAO inhibiting food. So what does that mean? Um, well, when you think about um, someone who has uh, depression, anxiety, most of them are encouraged to take um, antidepressant from the medical provider, but we still also have to be mindful that even then they have to be careful of consuming cheese um, because especially cheese um, cured meat. So that's like pastrami, salami, um, and that can actually increase um, the tyramine and uh, and when you consume it with certain um, antidepressants, um, you have more risk for brain hemorrhage. Foods that are safer um, are those that act similar to an antidepressant but don't have that negative side effect is to actually consume um, natural ways of monoamine acid, um, monoamine oxidase enzyme inhibitors through apples, berries, grapes, onions, green tea, cloves, oregano, cinnamon, and uh, nutmeg. So all delicious. Um, in these, you could probably make it in your breakfast or um, in a nice um, warm drink. So I mentioned tryptophan earlier. It's important because not only does it um, cross the blood-brain barrier, um, but there are studies that if you eat too many animal products, it crowds out the tryptophan, meaning it's not able to support um, and the brain because there's so much of the animal-based protein, protein-rich foods. And what our brain really needs is plant-based um, sources of tryptophan. Um, and that allows us to increase the serotonin and then norepinephrine. So um, all in all, the more plant-based amino acids we can consume, um, the more likely we are to support our brain health. But where can we get those sources? So seeds, um, so sesame seeds, sunflower and pumpkin seeds um, high, have high tryptophan to protein ratio to provide um, brain access. Um, and then um, also butternut squash seeds um, has been actually studied in social anxiety and that's been to, shown to re improve um, anxiety within just one hour of consumption. Looking at lifestyle medicine, so we know that uh, nutrition is key in terms of how we can possibly impact our mental health as in short as one hour, one day, um, and even for a lifetime, but also sleep, exercise, substance use, stress management, and healthy relationships. What's the power of sleep? Um, sleep is an effective lifestyle intervention because um, it's so prevalent, right? Meaning insomnia is prevalent and it's prevalent in those with anxiety and depression and those with, I would say, other comorbidities. Um, approximately 40% of people have chronic disease, um, if, especially those with general anxiety and depression. Um, there was also a study, uh, the NESDA study in over 2,000 people that anxiety or depression um, depressive um, people had sleep disturbances as well. So over and over again, we know that sleep is, can be, if you remember, even if you travel or if you um, had a long holiday weekend, you come back and you might realize your mood is off. Um, you're, you're a bit more anxious, you're a bit more tense and stressed. And that's because the sleep is, is something that we need to support our brain to not only keep it fresh and restored, but um, sleep deprivation can act similarly to someone who's severely depressed or anxious.
Um, another one that, that we have to just be careful uh, with someone who has depression, anxiety already is that um, sometimes people don't know, is this anxiety or is this um, my alcohol withdrawal? And when you look at um, those who have mental health con conditions, a large majority of them consume, uh, I would say, substances that are really negative, um, such as smoking, tobacco, uh, and, and that is can be very confusing for our neurotransmitters in our brain. Um, alcohol is a GABA agonist. So what does that mean? It actually, yes, we know initially it helps relax, rest, and, and maybe um, so, um, feel like the body's digesting in, and it eases the gut. But really, after just a few hours, it goes into a sympathetic response. Um, so the body and the rebounds um, and meaning it the body goes into a fight or flight so it feels like it's running away from a tiger and it's going to elicit um, more stress so people end up getting more reflux that turns into something called gastritis um, and that turns into um, sometimes even cancer so if we're not careful um, so when you in when you consume um, a lot of alcohol you're not able to have a uh, a proper balance of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic and our body is not made necessarily aware of those um, clues and so the sympathetic rebound triggers are really so what does that mean people start getting more anxiety more um, palpitations increased heart rate um, increase in breathing rate so they feel extra jittery they might feel, feel alert but that's very that's maybe one thing out of the other negative things that they experience um, and it becomes just this negative cycle of alcohol um, just taking care um, taking over the brain um, and then it really makes uh, anxiety and depression worse and instead what I would like to say is to focus on motivation purpose uh, and finding solutions for our health um, when we look at this we are finding ways that gives us mental clarity for actually um, finding ways to understand how can we get healthier and why is it important to me? What do I want to do in the future um, that I want to be alive for? What do I want to do? Um, do I want to travel again? Do I want to be present with my family? And usually um, having consuming negative substances like um, I would say over consuming alcohol or even um, tobacco can really um, prevent us from having that clear minded motivation and purpose to focus on our nutrition. Because I would say adapting a plant based diet um, really can be challenging, um, especially if we're having trouble with other pillars of our lifestyle. And so um, I, I just want to end with this. I'm going to let you know that plants um, definitely are a big source of health and nutrition, but also the integrative aspects. So um, through Planted Forward, I you'll see that we have specialists. So we have a gastroenterologist, a cardiologist, and I do lifestyle, primary care, and psychiatry. Um, we have a health coach and two registered dietitians that focus on, one focuses on um, Natalie Castro on gut and autoimmune disease, and Amanda Sevilla on eating disorders and other metabolic syndromes. Um, and you would, I would say it takes a team. Um, sometimes you can go through me and we can discuss further um, when it comes to more lifestyle solutions for you. Um, other times, it, you may need to see several different people to figure out um, 
the, the solutions for your health. But I would say when it comes to plant-based eating, um, find, find your partner in crime, find someone who supports you, build a village around you. And uh, if you book today, I just want to encourage you, you can see our website, plantedforward.com. You can contact us by phone or email, but also um, if you book today in December, you can get 10% off your first visit. And thank you for having me. Let me know if you have any questions. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mandala. That was just so fabulous, so compelling. I I love geeking out and, and learning new things. And you you brought some new things to the table for me. And I think we even had some comments that you were bringing some things to the table for, I think, Angela. She said, new word for me. Ooh, am I pronouncing it right? Ubiosis? Ebiosis. yeah. <laughs> new word for me. So... I, I love when you do that. And we we always encourage our green warriors who are watching and listening to type things in that they hear that is something that they learned or is a pearl of wisdom. But that was just so fabulous. And I, I'm so glad that people are watching and going to watch the replay as well, because this is just so, such important information. We do have some questions. First question from Anne, and she said, so interesting. I, I want to increase plants, especially raw. But raw things make me sick. So can I change so my guts will be able to digest raw and more fiber? Thank you so much. P.S. I do not eat dairy, fish, seafood, meat, and have given up processed foods for a month now. Awesome. <laughs> Great question. I love that. Well, congratulations on your journey. And I would say those are huge wins. And literally, um, I, I appreciate raw foods. Yes, um, they're great because they're not fried. I think the opposite of that is fried food, and you want to minimize that. Um, usually, um, you kind of just have to under I always say with my patients, create a, a log and understand which are foods are your triggers raw, but maybe steaming them um, might be better for you. Um, and also finding ways to chop it up a little bit more. So it's a complex um, question because sometimes it's texture, sometimes it's how it's cooked, sometimes it's uh, cooked, how it's cooked with other components uh, that can impact your gut health. Uh, and I would say the best thing is to really you know, to speak to a gastroenterologist or a registered dietitian. But for me, I in I also help with that as well. Um, and finding out the the patterns in your health um, that actually, you know, raw foods can support your your gut, but also finding the ones that can help it in phases. You don't want to do something too quickly um, because then um, sometimes our gut can be overwhelmed um, based on your chronic condition. And I don't know your whole story, so I don't give too much of, of a medical um specific advice on on these shows right which is awesome though because people can book an appointment with you and get a one-on-one -on -one and you'll thoroughly go through their background and their medical history and all those things and be able to customize which is awesome so we have another question from jen m coffee makes me anxious but i feel more productive drinking it <laughs> Is there a better alternative? Yes, I understand. I, I'm not a coffee drinker um, for that very reason. I can totally relate. Um, and I would say teas are a great alternative, but even then they have caffeines. Even decaffeinated coffee has caffeine, about 30% still there. Um, and so I love Ticino. You can... Um, 
find them at your local store. Um, but that's spelled T-E-E-C-C-I-N-O. And that's no caffeine, but it's herbal. It's full of mushrooms, antioxidants, and also it tastes like coffee <laughs> and, and an, or a strong tea. Um, so, um, so the research always goes back and forth when it comes to caffeine and helping or not helping. I would say the brain, but when whenever it's mixed with anxiety, um, I I always say, please stop it, give it a break, because um, I've had patients who stop coffee, um, and they're able to decrease their headaches, decrease their palpitations, and that just that edge that they didn't realize they had, and um, when they decrease their caffeine um, consumption, they literally didn't have to go on an anti-anxiety medication. So that's the beauty of it. Feeling or finding the right source and also minimizing those triggers such as caffeine. Well, that's a great answer. I guess it's kind of like this perpetual cycle where you drink the coffee and then you don't sleep properly. <laughs> and, then, and then you need the coffee to wake you up again. And it just it can be a pretty difficult thing. But of course, if somebody is drinking a lot of coffee daily, they probably want to maybe titrate down, would you say, and not just cut it out immediately? Exactly. You'll be getting those withdrawals and your body won't be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Okay, so we have another question from Andy. Does depression cause memory loss? Yeah, great question. So memory uh, is very tricky because our brain, we call it, it's very resilient, right? It's neuroplasticity is what we call it. So there is a chance for neurons to build um, up and also deteriorate based on our lifestyle. And, and when you have prolonged depression, um, there are studies that show that, yes, people experience maybe less focus and what we what people may think in the layman's term is brain fog and thinking, oh yeah, I'm a little bit more forgetful. Um, but understanding the root cause, it's not the same as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and other dementia um, because they all kind of work on different processes. Those are either because of or, um, I would say neurotransmission imbalance or like certain plaques, but they, they kind of all overlap, to be honest. It's hard to find someone who has dementia without depression. Um, it's hard to find someone who has Parkinson's who um, lacks um, also the ability to remember, um, I would say, you know, what they've done in the short term and long term memory. So it's, I would say it's pretty complicated, but yes, it does impact memory. Um, and we, they've studied even young um, college students um, where they notice if they're more depressed, they're not able to perform well and um, remember those um, those things they studied for hours and hours. Um, just like people who um, pull all-nighters, there's a, a threshold for that. Um, if you have too much insomnia, then also your, your memory goes down as well. Wow, very interesting. Okay, so talking about depression, Julie wants to know, can depression make you tired? Great question. So the diagnosis of depression actually includes that feeling. Um, so usually um, that means not only lack of motivation, lack of energy, uh, feeling hopeless, 
this feeling um, as if you're um, wanting to overeat or undereat. There's actually a whole criteria. So it's not, um, there's, it incorporates the diagnosis, but also it can cause it. So depression is one of those complex, I would say, diseases because in for heart disease and lung disease and diabetes, you know exactly what causes it. You can say the sugar, it's measurable to you say the sugar and the fat, it, it equates to this. But when it comes to depression, anxiety, they're still trying to find the exact cause of depression, anxiety. They're trying to still find um, the one thing <laughs> that they can put a finger on. So I would say um, that is a complex <laughs> question by but at the same time, um, it is can be a sign of depression or a cause of depression. So that's what I would say. Wow, very interesting. Okay, so now Caroline wants to know about anxiety. Can anxiety cause high blood pressure? I love that and uh, question because in my own practice, I would say patients come in not only because they're rushing, um, but they're scared too to face us <laughs> doctors, but more importantly, maybe face the fear that they have this horrible health condition. And so they come in, they're a bit anxious um, and they have a high blood pressure. Um, but when I, I actually meditate with my patients, so after a few meditation, um, I would say sessions and after just hearing their fears, their blood pressure starts to normalize. So that's yeah one case, but yes, even in the bigger cases in, in looking at people's health, um, blood pressure can be a, a direct um, cause of anxiety, but also anxiety can cause blood pressure. <laughs> so it's like that two-way street once again, um, because um, anxiety is that fight or flight response that our body always thinks it has to run from something extremely harmful. Imagine that there's fire alarms going on all the time. Um, and that raises the blood pressure. Interesting. Anne says, I've been on Zoloft for two years. If I go whole food plant-based, can I get off this medication? Well, thank you for that question. Um, you know, I, I work directly with patients who... Um, have been on antidepressants. Um, sometimes people are on antidepressants for since they were teenagers, and I I would say um, those are the probably the hardest cases, um, just because they've been on it for decades. Um, but if it was something, for example, just a couple months for a year or two, that's something I would discuss with your primary care provider or even a psychiatrist, but more importantly, someone who's plant-based, I can help you with that um, because not many um, providers feel comfortable in um, taking them off um, by using lifestyle. And I would say if you're taking something off, you definitely have to supplement it with something um, else. Uh, and I say lifestyle is a prescription. And so if you're going to be taking a medication daily, it's important for you to do a lifestyle um habit or behavior that's three plant-based meals a day daily too right so um if you take something off daily um make sure that you talk to your doctor and of course patients should not take themselves off of these medications without the supervision of a physician is that right absolutely absolutely so um you know i i loved doing these talks but after every one of these talks i get um those questions especially um someone who's been on one medication some people are on three or five it like i said it's not that simple but it is something that we can work with because sometimes it's treating the hyper pressure sometimes it's treating um, the diabetes um, 
first uh, and it actually it all comes into play some when you look at metabolic disease it's usually depression or diabetes anxiety no I'm sorry diabetes high blood pressure um, and high cholesterol and also weight issues so that's four things um, but I also like to look at the mental health so that's depression anxiety coming along and they usually all come together so um, yeah there are times where we can minimize medications and other realms of for example if their sugar is improved because they're eating more plant-based or their blood pressures improve I can minimize that but you want to do it in a very very um, careful um, individualized process and stepwise fashion right and not all doctors are very astute at titrating down or eliminating medications because that's not really in their a lot of their wheelhouse so somebody like you would be much better source to to do that with because of your experience because i'm sure that you've taken a lot of your patients off or titrated them down from medication which is so awesome okay so we have another question anita says i crave junk food to make me feel better for the moment. <laughs> what can I do to overcome the craving? I love that question because it's it's a moment, literally a moment. A lot of our cravings last two to three minutes and that's been studied in people who have tobacco, um, I would say dependence, people who are been smoking for years and years. But when they looked at them, they not only saw that with smoking, alcohol, and food, they all have that same um, craving interval, <laughs> which is two to three minutes. And when you think about addictions, you literally, it's, um, I think about it as a triangle. One side is because of an emotional attachment, because it helps our, our mood, it elevates our mood, and it just feels good. The other side is a physical component, because we don't realize every time we go to um, pass the kitchen, or every time we sit and watch TV, we're just so used to having food or at our desk. Um, and so that's the physical dependence. And the third one is going to be um, also the unconscious um, habit um, because it gives us pleasure. Some people just um, enjoy food, right? Um, and so, um, or enjoy smoking or alcohol, but it's that one thing that it alters our biochemical processes. So knowing how to unbreak that is amazing. Um, and knowing that cravings are short term um, and finding a substitute and um, so substitutions can um, come in the form of drinking lots of water waiting it out um, and then three making sure that you just um, have an accountability partner really just say hey call a friend and say hey, you know I'm trying to overcome this craving can we just talk um, can, or can I just go on a walk right now so distraction is another one. Oh, that's great awesome Tristan are there any natural herbs or supplements I can take for anxiety? Thank you, Tristan, for your question. So, you know, there are, um, as you probably saw in my presentation, I talked about zinc and magnesium, but I would say these things um, are important to um, first be found in um, whole foods. Um, if you type in zinc um, plant-based sources, you'll find a whole list or magnesium plant-based sources. Um, but when it comes to a more, I would say, specialized supplement or formula, um, I would say, you know, make an appointment <laughs> because it's so, so tricky. Um, I, I would have to know what um, all the things that you're taking as well. Um, if you look at every supplement bottle, um, 
and you're gonna see that it says um, discuss with your doctor. But most of the time, people just take supplements, and doctors don't know what to do when patients are taking all these supplements. But I would say I can definitely help you um, and know that yes, not all supplements are FDA approved. But when I kind of sort through them and make sure, because a lot of the supplements out there um, say one thing, just like food, um, just like you get a a uh, big bag of cereal and they'll say good for heart health but you look at the back and it says sugar in the ingredients sugar 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 and oil 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 then it's not the best same thing when it comes to supplements we have to be very careful for the claims that it makes well that is wonderful and of course even if something is a natural supplement or herb it still has efficacy right it still is is it kind of like a drug so if they yeah. wanted to do things like that they probably shouldn't just say well Here's some, more might be even better. <laughs> right. And a lot of people either under or overdose on their supplements too. Because <laughs> so, it's like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Right. And we're sometimes in desperation mode and nothing's working. And so um, it's easy to kind of just consume that <laughs> and without knowing um, that it can actually be too much. <laughs> right. So that would be another reason for somebody to, to make an appointment with you so that they could go ahead and, and learn about that, how it works with them and if it could counter react with other medications that they're on. Or, or... So I want to tell everybody again that they can find Dr. Mandela at plantforward.com. And also you have a website, right? Melissa Mandela md.com and you have an instagram too so there's lots of places for you to find her i, I just want to thank you so much i mean all of this information that you gave us was just so so timely and so helpful and i know that you've probably encouraged a lot of people to, to take some of the advice that you gave and and make some changes so that they could have better mental health and a better health overall. If you like what you heard, click like and share and subscribe so that we can get this word out. Because I bet there's people in your lives that you know that could probably benefit for this and from this. And you can also type in what you, you think you'd want to take away and or remember. Stay tuned for a special announcement. I do want to thank Rebecca from PKA Sols. She's been in the background helping us with the broadcast. Hi, Rebecca. She's been doing a great job as usual. And I also want to thank Jess Tass from Just Tass Voice. She did the countdown and she also did the promos. And Just Tass Voice, who's coming up next? Trying to become pregnant? Want a healthy pregnancy? Dr. Jean Schumacher and Deborah Shapiro, MD, discuss simple ways to actually be healthier to increase fertility and how to dramatically decrease the risk of troubling pregnancy complications. Bring your questions 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy, live. I also want to thank all of you that have been watching all this support that you've been giving us. It's almost a year that we've been doing these live broadcasts and just by subscribing and, and sharing and liking, it's been very helpful. And because you're there listening and watching is why I'm here and why people, wonderful people like Dr. Mandela come on the Be Green with Amy Live to share all this information. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to be signing off with Dr. Mandela with my Be Strong, Be Well, and Be Green. And I want to encourage all of you to type in the comments the be strong be well green as well so that this way we could all do it together so are you ready dr mandala yes i am thank you <laughs> so until i see you guys again remember be strong be well and be green yeah, i love it <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bye-bye, everybody. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.